Psalm of David, in which he writes, In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, Flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in the heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous. But the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire, and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that we have your word, that you have preserved it, that we can turn and, and read a psalm of David, and that it's not just a psalm of some man, but Lord, that it is your eternal word, that it is a living word, and we ask that you would, through the ministry of your spirit, cause it to be alive in our hearts today. And not only today, but in the days to come. Again, we acknowledge our dependence on you, and we look to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've lived long enough, you find that there come, depending how you define the term, there come various crises in life. And, um, you know, As we said, it's all from a matter of perspective. To some, a crisis is when there's no chocolate around. A more serious crisis is when there's no toilet paper in the household. Now, that that can be a little more serious crisis. But seriously, in this life, because of just the way life is involving our nature and sin, and the curse, there come various forms and various um, issues that present a crisis. And you never really know what you are until you are faced with the crisis. Our world, you could say, is in crisis mode. Um, This last week, Great Britain voted to withdraw from the the European Union. We, We don't really know what all the ramifications of that will be. Um, To Great Britain, to the European Union, to the United States. But, it has caused the world to be in, whoa, this is a, this is a crisis mode. Um, the whole issue of, um, of terrorism around the world, and now we're seeing it in our own land, has caused there to be um, a sense of crisis. I 
personally believe this isn't this isn't gospel truth, but I personally believe that our nation is is headed morally, fiscally, spiritually first and foremost to a major major crisis situation and unless God intervenes in miraculous ways that's that's where we're headed and so with all of those things that are going on um what are we to do about it some people ignore it some deny it some um try to run from it some in in crisis that come into their life that that it disrupts their life it it may be a bad report from a doctor it may be trouble in the family it may be a, a financial reversal some it ends up really shaking their faith to the point that some say well if god didn't help me in that why bother with it the setting of the 11th psalm seems to be a crisis time in the life of david the wicked have loaded their bow they lie in wait to ambush him and we don't know the exact period of his life that um that he was referring to and maybe he was referring to several periods but it could have been when he was in Saul's household and Saul set out to kill him and and truly brought out the attempts to do that it could be a period in his life when his own son rebelled against him and took over the throne and David fled for his life to the hills it could be some other narrative in the bible that that um we read or it could be something that isn't in the bible that he experienced but in this situation someone is suggesting to him that he should flee like a bird to the mountain because the wicked are lying in wait for him they are they are ready to ambush him and you need to get out of here and then he says verse 3 if the foundations are destroyed what can the righteous do this hebrew word for foundations is rarely used in the old testament and in this case when it is used it is used as a um a metaphor for the order of society it is translated as pillars in psalm 75 and verse 3 and it represents the established institutions of social and civil order in a community so what he's saying is when when those institutions that bring about social and civil order in a community when those foundations are destroyed what are the righteous to do are we to flee as a bird to a mountain are we to 
to become a prepper and and go buy land somewhere out in the mountains and and self-sustained and build a bunker and and hunker down and David literally had people out to kill him and in his life all the order of society the foundation of society that kept order was completely destroyed and he said what are the righteous to do and David answered that question in verse 1, in the Lord I put my trust. How are you even tempting me with taking this matter into my own hands and thinking I know what I need to do and that I need to run from this and I need to go do this and I need to take matters into my own hand? He said, no, it may be that the foundations of society are crumbling what are we to do about it? And it is. The foundations are rapidly crumbling in our land. But we need to come back and understand that in the Lord is where we are to put our trust. When the foundations of society are rocked by the attacks of wicked men, what are the righteous to do? To come back and trust in God. And this morning I want to look at evidences that we trust in God. Whether it is um, society being shaken, and, and I'm not going to go into all the illustrations that we could give for that, or whether our personal life is shaken with an earthquake of events, so to speak. Those in particular are the times that will reveal whether our trust is in God or not. Evidence is that we trust God. First and foremost, our faith is in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. It is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercies according to his grace that he saves us that needs to be a settled and secure part of our life now when we say trust god it doesn't mean just this step but that must be settled and secure i i never tire of sharing the gospel, and in this last week in Bible time, of sharing the gospel in the classes. What a blessing that is to share the gospel, to throw the seed, and see where God uses it, and how God, how God blesses it, and brings it to fruition. But in your life, is that a settled and secure matter in your life, that I know Christ as my personal Savior, and there are evidences of it in my life, and that is settled. I am not trusting in, in my good works. I'm not trusting in anything else, my knowledge of God. I'm not trusting in anything else. Sometimes we live 
as though it is up to our works. If I don't do this, if I don't do this, God will be mad at me. Um, we'll touch on that a little more here. But evidences that we trust the Lord, first and foremost, our faith is in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Secondly, His Word is very important to us. You cannot say that your trust is in the Lord if you do not place a high value on His Word. By that, I don't do not mean, hey, don't carry your Bible upside down and, and be careful. Don't just throw it in the car and, and don't set your cup of coffee on the Bible. We need to treat the Bible with respect. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you take the Bible, you read the Bible, you study the Bible, you have an opportunity to learn, as we mentioned these Wednesday studies, you, you have an appetite for the Word of God, and you desire, I want to know God. And I can only know Him through His Word. Why? The more you know Him, the more you'll trust Him. And if we really trust God, we'll have a desire. God, I trust you, and I want to know what your word says. I want to know what your counsel to me is. I want to know your path, and I'm only going to know it through your word. If we trust him, what he says and what he thinks is very important to us. There are many, many voices clamoring for our attention, and there are many voices in ourselves. Sometimes, I don't mean multiple personality, but sometimes we say to ourselves, you really blew that one. And we shame ourselves. We, we say, I, I don't like you. The voice of discipline says, I have got to fix this because it's either up to me or nothing else. The voice of God says, I love you and I will restore you if you come to me. God alone is the only one that can fix it. In this world, there is failure. One of the lessons this last week in Bible time is God is my friend, even when I fail. And in this life, there is failure and how we respond to it. When we know God and know the God of his word, we will be able to respond properly to that. But a person that truly trusts God has a love for the Word of God. The Word is very, very important to us. There's a desire for it. There's a, a, a hunger for it. It's not a, a force feed. When, when you have to force feed anything, you know they're not in good shape. Something's wrong. And a person who trusts God has a desire for the Word of God, a person who trusts God, thirdly, not only takes the Word of God and reads the Word of God and has a desire for the Word of God, 
But then a person that trusts God obeys the word of God. Proof that you heard him is that you obey him. What happens? For example, you say, time for supper. Everybody come, time for supper. Nobody comes. I I should, let me rephrase that. Time to clean up. Usually people come for supper, right? So you're thinking. So you go hunt them down and you say, hey, did you hear me? If they say, yeah, I heard you. What's it mean? I heard you, but I'm not willing to obey. God said, don't be hearers only, but be doers of the word. We read the word of God, not just so we can get a knowledge about God, and the more we know him, the more we'll trust him, but so that we can obey what he tells us to do. Winston Churchill said, men occasionally stumble over truth. But most of them pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing happened. Boy, doesn't that describe human beings? We stumble over the truth. We may, we may stumble over the truth in our Bible reading, but we quickly pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and continue on as if nothing happened. It's obeying the commands of God that shows that we're trusting Him. Preceding the 1988 Winter Olympics, there were some blind skiers that were being trained for slalom skiing. That's where you're going down through these gates and down these steep mountains. They were paired with sighted skiers. And the blind skiers were taught on the flats how to make right and left turns. When that was mastered, they were taken to the slalom slope where their sighted partners skied beside them shouting, Left! Right! 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 As they obeyed the commands they were able to negotiate the slalom course and finish depending solely on the sighted skier's world. It was either complete trust or catastrophe. You understand, we're the blind skiers, and he has given us his spirit, And the Spirit of God says, right, right, right. And we keep going straight or turn left. And it's either complete trust or catastrophe. Because the Spirit of God is never wrong. And the Spirit of God always leads in accordance with the Word of God. And it must be obeyed. It's not enough for the blind skier to say, gotcha, right. 
and just keep going straight. Yeah, I knew I should have turned right there. doesn't matter what you know. It matters what you do. And a person who trusts God obeys. A person who trusts God will remain faithful. The Psalm, Psalm 11 said, Many said, flee as a bird to the mountain. And in David's life, he had many that were giving him counsel. And some of them were very, very close personal friends. I think of the instance that those that were, in essence, his bodyguards that risked their lives for him, they said, look at God has given you Saul. He's right there sleeping. Chop his head off. Chop his head off in this nonsense. But the Spirit of God was directing him another way. And he obeyed the promptings of God's Spirit. He said, it is not for me to touch God's anointed. He's the anointed one. And there will be many that will say to you, flee as a bird to your mountain. Or your own heart will say, you need to do this, you need to do that. Don't flee to the mountain. Flee to the throne of grace. When you feel like quitting or running away, remember another famous quote of Yogi Berra. Wherever you go, there you are. And you run, you're not taking your problems with you. You are the problem. In most cases, we are the problem. And David said, no, I I am not going to run from this. I am going to run to the Lord in this. I am going to trust him. I am going to run to the throne of grace. I am going to go to him and find grace to help in time of need. How many throughout history have been disappointed in God's dealing in their lives, and they say, forget it. I tried God and it didn't work for me. Or they draw back and just go through the motions and and their heart's really not in it. A person who is truly trusting the Lord will remain faithful. God, I can't see you. It's dark all around me. I don't understand, but I am going to obey and I am going to do what you tell me regardless. There was a man by the name of Jeff Patton, the lieutenant colonel, flew as an F-15 fighter pilot in Desert Storm. And on the first night of the war, his mission was to escort a large formation of fighters in bombing a chemical weapons plant in northern Iraq. The date had been chosen because of the absence of the moonlight. The high clouds helped the attacking Allied fighters from being detected by the enemy defenses, 
and they were flying in total darkness. So they became completely dependent upon their instruments. Shortly after entering Iraq, Colonel Patton's jet was locked onto by an Iraqi surface-to-air missile radar. He violently, violently maneuvered his aircraft to break the radar's lock on him. His maneuver was successful in breaking the lock, but it created an entirely new problem. The radical movements that he had taken in the dark threw off the balance in his inner ear, which happens when a person gets dizzy, causing him to become disoriented. His mind was telling him that his plane was, was in a climbing right turn, but when he checked his instruments, they indicated he was in a 60-degree dive towards the ground. He was sure he was in a climb instead of a dive, and his mind was screaming at him to lower the nose of his F-15 to halt the climb. While his mind commanded him to correct the plane in one direction, his instruments instructed him to do just the opposite. Because he was flying in total darkness, he had to decide quickly whether to trust his mind or to trust his instruments. His life depended upon the choice that he would make. Even though it took everything within him to overcome what his mind was telling him, he decided to trust his instruments. He rolled his wings level and pulled his F-15 upward, which drew seven times the force of gravity, pulling the aircraft out of its dive, and it only took a few moments to realize he had made the right decision. If he had lowered the nose of his jet like his mind had been telling him, he would have crashed the plane. Trusting his instruments saved his life. Immediately, he looked at his altimeter, which told him the elevation of his aircraft. He had narrowly escaped colliding into the mountains of Iraq by just under 2,000 feet. Although he had made the correct decision by trusting his instruments, he realized if he had delayed just three seconds more, his plane would have crashed into the mountains. You understand, this and the Spirit of God are our instruments. And our mind says, no, do this, do this, do this. And the instruments quietly and without screaming at us say, no, do this. And there's the difference between disaster and life. And as is brought out in this illustration, delay can be very deadly as well. A person who trusts God depends on the instruments of God 
and remains faithful to that. My mind is saying it doesn't pay to serve God. It doesn't pay to walk with Him. It doesn't pay to be in this battle. What, what's the use? I'm just going to, our mind can conjure up all sorts of ideas. But what does God's Word say? A person who trusts God rests in what he knows based on the instrument of God. It's in those crisis situations when all is darkness and you may not see God that you have to come back to. These are the things that I know. Turn to Psalm 11. And basically, David goes into this. Psalm 11 and verse 4. What he said, if the foundations, if everything around us that holds stability in society goes away, what can the righteous do? And he says, rest in this. We rest in what we know. Verse 4, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. Number one, we know this, that God is on the throne. God is still in control. God is on the throne. He is sovereign. He is over all. And we rest in what we know. He is on the throne. And then notice what David said. His eyes behold. We rest in this fact. God sees what's going on in my life, in my world. God knows. We think, oh, man. Nobody knows what's going on in my life. Nobody understands. Nobody sees. God knows every detail. You tell me if he knows how many hairs are on your head. You don't know how many hairs you lost this morning when you combed your hair. God knows how many hairs are on your head. You think he doesn't know about this crisis? You think he doesn't know about this that's going on in your life? So we come back. Wait a minute. I need to remind myself what I do know about God. I do know God is still in control. He is on the throne. I do know that He knows. He is fully aware of everything that's going on in my life. And then He goes on. His eyes behold, His eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous. The word that He uses there is a word that that um, carries the meaning And not like sitting down and giving you a test to answer questions. It's like taking silver and gold and putting it in the fire and purifying it in the fire. So I know that God is at work in my life to purify me. He, I know that God is producing in my life good. So he's, he's, putting me in this fire, this crisis. And what's he trying to do through it? He's trying to purify me. He tests me. What's the purpose for testing? He knows he's trying to purify us. Someone said Christians are like tea bags. You never know what they're made of until you get them in hot water. And it's true. When when a crisis comes, that's when... When it really reveals us. So I know that God is in control. He's on the throne. I know that he knows my situation. I know that he is purifying me. 
I know that he will work all things together for good. Romans 8, 28. I know that. That's what God said. I may not feel it, but I know it. That's what God said. I'm going by the instrument. It doesn't look like any good will come out of this, but I'm reading the instrument, and the instrument says, trust me, I will make all things work together for good to them that love God and keep his commandments. See, so in the midst of crisis, we come back. What do I know about God? I know, the psalmist said here, the Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked, he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. So David may be thinking about Absalom, his son, in rebellion against him. He may be thinking about Saul, and he said, I know this, God's going to take care of the wicked. You need to come back to that. There are times when it will look like the wicked are prospering and everything is going their way and they can make executive orders and they can do various things and having their way. Don't worry about it. God's going to take care of every individual. God is going to bring justice and he will judge evil. But it also says, for the Lord is righteous And he loves righteousness. God rewards righteousness. He is going to reward righteousness. I know this. Why? Because God's word tells us over and over. We don't have time to go into it. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you'll reap if you don't faint. But it doesn't look like God is rewarding my righteousness. I know it. My instrument tells me. The Word of God tells me. I'm reading my instrument, and I'm going to depend on that. I know He is coming again. That gives us great hope and great encouragement. So, in the midst of crisis, a person that trusts the Lord comes back and reminds himself. This is just a sample of things that we know about God. I know he's in control. I know he's fully aware of my situation. I know he's using it to purify and build me. I know that he will make all things work together for good. I know he will judge the evil. I don't need to be bent out of shape about what looks like they're getting by with something. I know he will reward righteousness, and I know he is coming again, among other things that you can add to the list of what you know. What do you know about God? So that if all earthly things fail, and everything falls to pieces, we can trust the Lord. And trust Him and suffer joyfully and hope cheerfully and wait patiently and pray earnestly and believe confidently and triumph finally. Someone wrote, trust Him when dark doubts assail thee. Trust Him when thy strength is small. Trust Him when to simply trust Him seems the hardest thing of all. Trust Him. He is ever faithful. Trust Him, for His will is best. Trust Him, for the heart of Jesus is the only place of rest. 
And David's Psalm 11 is a psalm of peace. You say, oh, get out of here. Oh, you hear what's happening. Oh, no, no, what's going on? In the Lord I put my trust. Why are you trying to fill me with scare tactics? Why are you trying to get me to run? God's in control. And he is at work. And we can trust him. It's either trust God or trust yourself. One leads to rest and peace and contentment. The other leads to disaster. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to know you and to know that you alone are trustworthy. Lord, I don't know what may be going on in individuals' lives right now. I don't know how maybe the past is haunting some individuals and and they've given up hope. Lord, I pray today that you would find us running to you, the throne of grace, and truly trusting you to take all of this in our lives and make it work together for good. Lord, I pray if there is an individual here that knows they've never trusted you for the forgiveness of sin, that today before they leave, that they would settle that if they'd Need someone to speak to about that. Lord, that they would mention that and that they could be shown from your word how they can know their sins are forgiven. Lord, I pray for we as those that are your children that we would have a hunger of your word, that we'd be committed to obeying it, and that our trust in you would be clearly evident even in the crisis of life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.